0: Hello again to everyone. We are thankful for another opportunity to get to look into the Word and study again, Uh, continuing our study of the Feast of the Old Testament. Uh, We finished the Feast of Trumpets last time, and that great picture of the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that points to the Atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as the Feast of the Trumpets, which took place on the first day of the seventh month, they blew the trumpets in remembrance of the law that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, and that calling them to remembrance of that covenant that they promised to keep, which they did not keep, and revealing under their hearts that need for atonement. And so on the 10th day of the 7th month, in Leviticus 23, where we've been looking, in verse 27, he says also, on the 10th day of the 7th month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So the day of atonement, the 10th day, Ten days after the blowing uh, of the trumpets is the Day of Atonement, the day in the Old Testament <clears throat> that the high priest would go in to the holy place, and the only time that they could go into the holiest of all, which was inside the tabernacle behind the veil where the Ark of the Covenant was and where that Shekinah glory, that manifestation of God's presence dwelt with the children of Israel. So uh, that was out of Leviticus 23. That's where we've been looking. But the laying out of this day of atonement, we'll find in Leviticus chapter 16. And that's where we'll spend uh, the vast majority of our study in Leviticus chapter 16. Uh, The description of the service here. It runs through this entire chapter. So we'd like to go through the whole chapter and we may not give it the time that it, uh, rightfully deserves. No doubt, uh, several hours could be spent here. Maybe over the course of a couple studies, we'll look into this and try to bring out some of the pictures here, certainly of the atonement of God. You know, always you've got the problem of sin and the method that God chose to deal with man's sin. Sin is the separator, sin is what brings the guilt, sin is what brings the wrath of God, and rightfully so because sin is the transgression, the breaking or the violation of the law of God when you break the law there's a judgment that goes with it the judgment of breaking God's law is death death spiritual separation from God and eternal burning in the lake of fire where the smoke of their torment riseth up forever and ever so what we see here on this day of atonement now we know by the Word of God in Hebrews and I I might be getting ahead of myself just a little here. But in Hebrews, he speaks about the tabernacle. And this is what he says, that it was a figure for the time then present. So this day of atonement, it was a figure. And we'll look there in just a minute, a little farther. It was a figure of what was to come in Jesus Christ, our Lord. <clears throat> so the Lord Jesus, that is God's answer and God's method of dealing with the sin of man that man could be reconciled to God and live, have eternal life, in victory and in righteousness. Now there's no way outside of Christ for that to happen. So here, this Day of Atonement, another picture of what God's going to accomplish in Jesus Christ. So in Leviticus chapter 16, I'll start here in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. So you can find that back in Leviticus 10, the two sons of Aaron, which they were priests being sons of Aaron, they went in and offered strange fire. It was that that God did not prescribe. It was in a method that God did not command. They just felt like they could go in and offer what they wanted to offer, how they wanted to offer it when they wanted to offer it, and it would be acceptable unto God. But they broke in upon God, and fire came out from God's glory, and devoured them. They died. The sons of Aaron died in the temple. And so here, the Lord speaks and says, don't do that. Do not come into the holy place at all times, for that's where the presence of God is that's where God dwells and man in his own will does not have access to God at all times and where we were in Hebrews chapter 9 the Holy Ghost this is verse 8 Hebrews 9 verse 8 the Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So what's that signify? That man does not have access to God. There's not a way for man to get to where God is in the way of the Old Testament. And the Holy Ghost signified, it showed this, it revealed this, it pointed to this fact in this tabernacle, and in the holiest of all. Man couldn't go in at any time, and there was no access to God. Now, man today, in a in very similar fashion to Aaron's sons, man believes that God's going to accept whatever that man wants to offer, that we can offer to God what we feel like, what we think is right, what we want to offer. We can do that when we choose to offer it, and we can act as we want to act before God, and God's just going to accept everything. Well, God revealed in the Old Testament that's not the case. God made a way for His presence to be accessed, and it wasn't at all times when man feels like it. Man's not going to be saved at all times when he feels like it. He'll be saved when God calls and invites him to have access, and that access is through Jesus Christ. So that tabernacle, which was a figure, uh, which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings, and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. So this was not meant to go on forever and ever. This was a figure for that time in the Old Testament to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ until the time of reformation comes. Now, people may argue what he's talking about when he says that, but in verse 11 he tells us, But Christ being come, and high priest. So this was a figure, a type, and a shadow, which was to be carried out this day of atonement. It was to be carried out until the time of Jesus Christ, but when Jesus comes, he's the high priest that offers the final sacrifice for the complete and whole atonement of man, completely dealing with the problem of sin, moving it out of the way that man could have righteousness through his sacrifice. So today, we have access to God, With boldness, he says in Hebrews chapter 10, through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's obvious here in Leviticus 16, Aaron doesn't have access to God with boldness. It's with fear, with trembling, with much carefulness, only when God says and allows one day out of the entire year, one man that's handpicked by God can go in and he's got to follow this exact prescribed method in order for him to be able to go in. So there was not access to God. But today, those that are in Christ Jesus, we have access to God through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we can go into the holiest of all before God with boldness in our heart, not fearing God's judgment because Christ has dealt with the problem, sin. Christ has made an end of sin through his sacrifice, and those that are in Jesus Christ have access by a new and living way unto God. So God says, I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. So this God that is portrayed continually as a God of love and a God that wants you to do what you feel is right and wants you to be happy in your life. And, you know, I, I won't dispute that God would desire for us to be happy but it's not in the way that he's portrayed by a carnal world in that God just wants you to do what you think is right, don't matter what it is, as long as you're happy. Well, that's not true. This God's a consuming fire. This God is one to be reverenced. This God is one that we approach the way he prescribes. So anybody making an effort to approach God outside of Jesus Christ they're going to be consumed just as Aaron's sons were consumed and you know there you talk about no respecter of persons if anybody's going to be able to offer something to God wouldn't you say it would be Aaron's sons the sons of the man that God chose to be the high priest certainly but those two died because they were going in at their own will making their own way doing their own thing so the lord warns don't come in at any time i'm going to tell you the one time a year that you're allowed to come in before me so verse 3 back in leviticus 16 thus shall aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burn offering And he shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and he shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. So Aaron, in the first part of verse 3, only Aaron can come in. He says, Thus shall Aaron. Nobody else. Nobody else is allowed into the holiest of all where God's presence is. Only Aaron is allowed. So in Hebrews chapter 5, now you think about the choice of God. Hebrews 5, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained. That word means set or designated. So, Every high priest taken from among men is designated for men on the behalf of men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, <clears throat> who can have compassion on the ignorant and them that are out of the way, for he himself also is compassed with infirmity, and by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So Aaron didn't choose this for himself. And you know, man thinks today, well, I can choose to be a preacher. I can choose to be saved. I can choose to be a deacon. I can choose to be whatever I want to be, I can be that and I can do that. Well, man don't take honor for himself. And those, I would say, that look to choose it for themselves, they're looking to honor themselves. But the high priest was handpicked and selected and ordained by God. And you say, well, Aaron's going to die. Yes, Aaron is going to die. And God knows that. And God deals with that in verse 32 of this Leviticus 16. And the priest whom he shall anoint, whom he shall consecrate, to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead. So God is going to anoint somebody. When Aaron's gone, God's going to anoint somebody to take his place. So, it's by the choice, by the direction, and by the discretion of God. What's going to happen if anybody other than the one that God chose comes in before him. He's going to destroy them just like he did Aaron's sons. Now, people may say, had that not happened, well, I don't believe God would have done anything, but we have evidence that God destroyed the two sons of Aaron when they disobeyed his word and came in and offered strange fire before him. God burned them up and they were destroyed. So, we know what would happen if anybody other than Aaron went into the holiest of all. So, God chose Christ to be the high priest, to be the one to make atonement, to be the one to bring forgiveness. What if we try to come outside of Jesus Christ? It's going to be the same fate. It's the same picture. It's the same event. Outside of Christ, there's no access unto God. And you know, People may not like that today, but that was the choice that God made, and it prevented others from dying by entering into the holiest of all. Well, God chose Christ to prevent man from dying lost and going to hell. It's God's method of bringing salvation to man because man was already condemned. So he gives the direction, he's putting on this linen, this white linen, which they're holy, but they're more like undergarments rather than the priestly garments that Aaron would typically wear in his office. In Exodus 28, and we could look in depth at these, we're not going to, but here's the list of Aaron's garments that he had as the high priest. (coughs) Exodus 28, verse 2, And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, that with the Urim and Thummim in it, an ephod, and a robe, and a broidered coat, a mitre, and a girdle. They shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. They shall take gold, and blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine linen. So by the word of God, Aaron, as the high priest, He had garments of gold and fine linen and all this nice material for glory and for beauty. God had gave him this uh, uniform, if you'll have it, to wear as the high priest. But on this day of atonement, he didn't wear none of the glory and the beauty. He set all of that aside and he put on these white linen undergarments. And these were holy, so Aaron had to wash before he put them on and before he could enter or do anything. So these white linen undergarments, he's taking off the beauty and the glory, and Aaron is having to come into the holiest of all, not as a glorious and beautiful high priest, but as a repentant sinner, just like the rest of Israel. He's sinned, just like Israel is sinned. So in order for him to come before God, he's coming humbly, And looking for the same mercy and the same atonement that the people were looking for. We already read it in Hebrews 10 that they, or that the priest had infirmity just like the people and he could have that, uh, by reason hereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Because Aaron was faulty, he could be compassionate toward other people that were faulty. And so, he must offer for his sin, as well as the sin of the people. So he's coming before God, and he's humbling himself down, laying aside the garments of beauty and of glory, and coming in as a repentant sinner. And when man comes before God today, seeking the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the way every man will come. We will come and appear before God as a repentant sinner. We won't come in pride. We won't come in haughtiness. We won't come lifting ourself up. But we'll come lowly and humble seeking the forgiveness of God our Father. So the washing with water, he's got to cleanse that natural filth off of him. And now you think about the natural filth. God designed these natural bodies. If you don't wash them, even if you just lay on the couch 24 hours a day for seven days, and you don't wash this body, it's going to have natural filth and stink that comes upon it. Well, this natural filth, it can't come before God. He's going to have to wash that off of him before he can enter. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe we can see this. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The flesh is not going to enter into this salvation because of the filth and the defilement of sin upon it. So, God, through the washing of water of the word, cleanses that inward man of sin and brings him under repentance in Christ Jesus. So, in verse 5, And he shall take, I'm sorry, let me back back up to three. I, I didn't mention the young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. So these two sacrifices mentioned here, these are for Aaron and for Aaron's sins. Aaron was offering these that he might be atoned for so that he could go in then and atone for the people as well. So in Philippians chapter 2, now you think about Christ Jesus and his glory just as Aaron stripped himself of his glorious garments in order to go in and serve God, the Lord Jesus, the Bible says in Philippians 2, verse number 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So not only there is there a picture of... uh, Man laying off his pride and his haughtiness and coming before God as a repentant sinner. But our Lord Jesus Christ, who it was not robbery to call Him God, He was God manifest in a natural body. He humbled Himself down from the glory that He had and He became flesh and became a servant, even a servant unto death and even the death of the cross. He became humble. So the Lord Jesus laid aside all of his glory for the suffering of death that atonement might be had for the people. But he did not die for his sins. He needed not a sacrifice to pay for his iniquity. For this high priest, he was greater than Aaron, he was perfect. And his atonement and his sacrifice was completely 100% offered for the redemption and the salvation of mankind, for the good of man. We are the ones that benefit from the work that Christ did. So, uh, now verse five and six. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids. So here we've got the two goats. Let's, let's finish up Aaron first. So Aaron, in order to enter before God, he stripped the glory and put on the white linen, humbling down. He washed his flesh. He killed the bullock and the ram, and he offered the blood towards the holy place. But before he could go in to the holy place, he placed the censer with hot coals off of the altar and incense sprinkled upon it which made that cloud of smoke. He placed that through the veil in the holy place to fill that up with smoke so that when God was looking from between the cherubs above the mercy seat, that sweet smell of that incense ordained by God was there to cloud up so that he wasn't looking directly at Aaron. And then Aaron could go in with the blood of his sacrifice and sprinkle towards the mercy seat seven times for his forgiveness. So you talk about a picture of the pollution of sin and the holiness of God, even in the figure and in the type and in the shadow, all that Aaron had to do in order to go in before God at God's prescribed time. So now in verse 5, and he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burn offering. So here, and we're going to follow this through as we go here, the chapter itself is kind of divided and we could walk through it as it is but I feel like it's easier to understand it, for for me anyway, and this is the way we're going to go over it, is that we'll follow these two goats now all through the picture, and we will have to skip a little bit. So we've got him taking the two goats and a ram, and this is going to be the method that God gives to Aaron to make atonement for all of the children of Israel. So now we skip over to verse 7. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him, for a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. So uh, we see here, and let's look at just a few things mentioned here. So the two goats, one's going to die and be the sin offering. The other is going to be the scapegoat, or the goat of departure, or disappearance. And I said this, I believe, in Sunday school, or maybe, uh, I'm not sure exactly where I said it. It may have been in a Bible study. Um, But recently, that often you hear this interpreted in the same way you do Barabbas, that the Lord Jesus died, that I could go free, And you could certainly see that here in a picture, but I don't believe that's the correct interpretation of what you see here. Both of these goats are accomplishing the work that the Lord Jesus Christ did by offering his life. And so the two goats are to be brought before the tabernacle, and lots are going to be cast. So in a picture you could say they're going to flip a coin on them, they're going to draw straws, Uh, They're going to throw rocks. However that they did, I don't know. And I don't know that anybody knows for sure the method. But say that they're going to draw straws to see which one's for the Lord and which one is for the scapegoat. Which one's going to die and which one's going to depart from the congregation. So that man's choice is completely left out of even choosing between the two goats. Man's got no choice. In this, this is the choice and the direction of God. And you say, well, they're casting lots, so really it's kind of like gambling. They're just taking a chance. But this is what the Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. So we're talking about a God here that even when we're going to draw straws or roll a die or however that you want to look at that, even when that takes place, God is in such control of our world that he determines what the outcome of that is going to be. So while it may appear to Aaron that this is pure chance, which one of these goats is going to die? The choice belongs to the Lord. And now you think about Ruth in the book of Ruth, where we studied a while back. As she's come into Israel, she don't know whose field is who, and she don't know Boaz from anybody else in the place, and she just picks the first field or, or the best field that she sees there. She just picks it at random, and in her eyes, it is pure chance that she winds up there. Random choice. But we know, we have the benefit of hindsight and the word of God. It was God's direction, and Naomi had enough sense to realize it as well, by the Spirit, that it was God's direction that brought her into the very field of Boaz. So there is no chance here. This is God's choice. And this is said, you know, what would it have hurt? Honest to let Aaron choose between the two goats. I mean, in my thinking, that wouldn't have mattered one bit. One's going to die and one's going to live anyway. But the message to get across is that, Aaron, you don't pick This ain't up to you. And it ain't up to man today to pick and choose and decide what's going to happen in God's kingdom. Man's not going to pick out people to be saved. And man's not going to make people be saved. And man is not going to pick whether he gets saved or not. I I know, that's hard, hard to swallow. In Romans 9, verse 15, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. What's God saying? I'll show mercy and compassion on who I want to. Now think about that. That's what God says to Moses, and it is repeated, it is quoted in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 9. So what's the conclusion from that? So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that sheweth mercy. It's God's choice. It's God's election. It's God's sovereignty. It's God's power in all things. And I hope, I hope that people don't shut me down right there. I hope that you'll at least consider this. It's the, it's the Bible. I really don't know how it could be argued by Scripture. That is what the Bible says, not what I say. And He's going to give us an example. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might shew my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. So it's God's choice. It's up to God. It's not up to me. It's not up to my desire. And I said this Sunday in Sunday school, If it was up to me, I'd have never been saved. If it was up to me, I'd have left church, probably would have never come back. But thank God it wasn't up to me. And God didn't give me what I wanted in my foolish flesh. But God, through his convincing power, overcame me and brought me to him in salvation. Thank God for that. And so it was God's choice, not my choice. It was God's choice here and not Aaron's choice. And so the the goat that the Lord's lot fell, he's going to be offered for a sin offering. So he's going to be killed. And if we skip down now in verse 15, <coughs> we're going to talk about the atonement of this goat that is killed. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering. That is for the sin of the people and bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no Man, in the tabernacle of the congregation, when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place, until he come out and have made an atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord, and make an atonement for it. And shall take of the blood of the bullock, and the blood of the goat, and put it upon the horns of the altar that's round about, And he shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. So, and maybe, maybe we've went about long enough this time and we'll save this for next time. But the goat is killed and atonement made for Israel, for the holy place, for the tabernacle, And for the altar, just how defiling is sin? Sin is much darker and more wicked than we think it is. God's trying to reveal that here, that even the altar and the tabernacle and the holy place were defiled, dwelling amongst the midst of the children of Israel. Sin pollutes and atonement must be made. God cannot deal with man outside of atonement. God cannot be compassionate outside of atonement. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll pick up there next time looking at this goat that is for the Lord's. I hope we've said something that could help you this week. Hope you have wonderful services tonight if you're listening to this on Wednesday. We love you and Lord willing, we'll be back with you and another few days. Pray for us.